0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Our study of the Book of Psalms continues with Psalm 62. To the choirmaster, according to Jedithon, a psalm of David. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge, is God. Trust in him at all times, O people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Salah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, Set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. This is the word of the Lord. So we have another of the many psalms written by King David. This is according to Jedithan. While that could certainly be a man's name, Here it seems to, again, possibly reference a tune that they would have sung. For God alone my soul waits in silence. There's going to be a lot of this God alone kind of language in the text, that he alone can save us, and this is such good news and a genuine truth, yes. But that we wait in silence. It reminded me of Exodus chapter 14 where Pharaoh has chased Israel to the Red Sea. They are pinned. They moan against Moses, basically saying, why did you bring us out into the wilderness to die? And one of the things that Moses responds with in that chapter, verses 13 and 14, he says, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of Yahweh, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. Yahweh will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. God speaks, and stuff happens. God speaks, and he creates an entire universe. God speaks, and he creates life. God speaks, and he gives forgiveness. God speaks, and the devil is thwarted. God's word does incredible things. And so I don't need to. I don't need to try to defend myself against a world that lies. They're just going to keep lying. They're not going to listen to logic or reason. They're going to listen to their sinful and wicked heart. But I don't need to care. I don't need to justify. I trust in the Lord. And if they put me to death, I live because by his word, he will raise me from death. I can wait silently, no matter what's going on in the world, knowing that he is for me. And so we wait in silence. That doesn't mean we don't ever speak. But the opportunities that we have to speak, what should we say? Don't defend yourself. Speak God's word as your defense. Point them to the hope that you have. And perhaps, maybe, the Spirit will work faith in them and they will come to share that hope with you. We wait for salvation. From him comes my salvation. What a line for Israel's greatest king to say, right? He's on top of it all. And yet he recognizes where salvation comes from. No context was given for this psalm. Perhaps it's written during one of the times of trial. Absalom's coup, Saul's attempts to kill him, battles with the Philistines, or maybe it's written during a time of great joy when things are going well, but he still has enemies around him. There never aren't. There always are. I think that double negative worked. In the midst of a sinful world, the faithful will always have enemies. He alone, so again continuing this theme that it is God alone who saves, he alone is my rock, my salvation, my fortress. This is Matthew chapter 7 verse 24, Luke chapter 6 verse 48, Jesus' parable of the man who built his house on the rock firm foundation that is Jesus Christ, our faith cannot be shaken. Terrible things can happen, but our house will still stand. It's not to say we won't take damage. It's not to say we can't be hurt. But if our house is built on Christ, Christ will provide. He will protect. He is the Savior and the Defender, Fortress. We can endure suffering in this world, Romans 5. Verses 3 and 4 look to the evil, what the enemies are doing to him, that they seem to seek his collapse. How long will you keep hitting a wall that looks like it's going to fall over? They're pressing into him. Continuing on they want to drive him from his high position. They want to strike him down from being king They don't delight in truth, but in falsehood in lies They speak good things including blessing from their mouth, but at the same time within their heart They seek destruction they curse they want death That is hypocritical a performance an act not genuine. This is not supposed to be the way for God's people. It could lead to a family conversation today. What does God want us to speak? Colossians 3, the entire epistle of James, really kind of have this theme to them that we are to not tear one another down with our words, but rather to build one another up. These men are seeking with their words and their falsehoods and their curses to tear David down. But where does he go? Immediately he returns to God alone, and he waits in silence, just as verse 1. For my hope is from him. David's hope does not come from the world, and nor does ours. This world can't save me. A, A bigger paycheck, no matter how large it gets, cannot save me. A better house, a better family, whatever. None of those things could potentially save us. There's only one that saves. That's Jesus Christ. And you have him. He is yours. He is for you. He died for you. He rose for you. That you would be forgiven and set free from sin, death, and the devil. He is our hope. He only is my rock and my salvation. Again, Matthew 16, on this rock I will build my church. The words of Jesus We will not be shaken. On God rests my salvation, and thanks be to God for that. If my salvation rested on me, uh uh-oh, what trouble that would be. But it doesn't. It rests on him. It rests on his promises. It rests on what he has already accomplished for me. My glory. The word glory is to be... To be lifted up as a noun it's what causes us to be looked at. For David as king he could reference his glory in a worldly way that the the world around him, the people around him, look to him. They look at him because God has anointed him king over Israel. This is true also for us as Christians though. God is our glory. He will raise us up on the last day we will be seen. Not as a a prideful, boastful thing, not because we want to be famous, but because God is great and wonderful and true and has rescued us even from death and from the grave. The grave could not hold us. The grave will not hold us. He will save us. So we trust in him at all times. That is faith. Trust and faith, same thing. We pour out our heart before him. That's our confession. And also our prayer we pray for our needs we pray that the Lord would strengthen us to endure but we also confess our sins for God is a refuge for us on the one hand providing for us on the other hand forgiving us he gives us all that we need for this body and life those of low estate are but a breath those of highest state a delusion it doesn't matter what class you're a part of in this world the world definitely looks at that right the world cares who's rich and poor God doesn't, faith doesn't, the church shouldn't. I won't say the church doesn't make the mistake and fall into those temptations. But these things are of nothing, of no value. And and then look at the next part of verse nine. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Have you seen one of those counterbalancing kind of scales where you've got like a platform on one side, a platform on the other side, Uh, I think in our era they tend to be made out of metal, and some kind of a middle piece that holds it together, and you put a weight on one side, and you put an object on the other side, and they go up and down based on which one's heavier. The heavier one goes down, the lighter one goes up. This is that picture, that kind of balance that they might have used something like it in their marketplace. What King David's getting at here is you can put them on the scale and up they go. They don't even need a counterweight. They are nothing. It does not matter what class you belong to. Irrelevant. In fact, if anything, all they will do is distract. The richness of this world will distract us from Jesus because we'll be too busy focused on making more money or too busy focused on, well, that we can provide for ourselves. And poverty also just distracts either because we are now also too busy chasing after money or because we we get so caught up in worrying about where tomorrow will come from. But Jesus provides. This is Philippians 4. This is what Paul truly means when he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's not about being able to lift uh, a truck or something. It's the idea that if he's hungry or well-fed, if he's rich or poor, he'll be okay. He can be content in any situation because he knows christ is with him christ is for him and this is what what david's communicating here also if riches increase set not your heart on them family conversation is it bad to have stuff the answer to that question is no but it is bad for our stuff to have us and by that i mean for us to to idolize our stuff our possessions to the point where, like the rich young ruler, we can't give them up. We, we trust in them more than we trust in God. That's a problem. Having the internet isn't necessarily a problem. Many temptations on it, though. Having a, a nice car, not a problem. Even an expensive one, right? The workers in the factory that built it, they also need an income to provide for their family. Money's not the issue. But as Paul warns in his epistle to Timothy, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So, it's fine to have stuff, but that stuff is not our hope. Christ is. Verse 11, Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. That's impressive. God only had to say it once, but we've heard it multiple times. I'll go with multiple over twice here. Simply the idea of an echo. God said it, he put it in his word, and we've heard it from God, but we hear it again and again from God. We don't just hear it the one time, but we catechize, we teach, we continue to learn. What has David learned? This power belongs to God. Right? Salvation is God alone, my refuge, my fortress, my rock. But to God alone belongs steadfast love. He is the one who is faithful. He is the one who is merciful. He is the one who saves. And David concludes this hymn with the words "You will render to a man according to his work. And for this, I want to share with you Isaiah 64, verse 6, and John chapter 6, verse 29. Isaiah 64, verse 6, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. That polluted garment, by the way, is a grosser term um, than what we use in that English translation of ESV. It is basically the garment that a woman was wearing when she was having that time of the month, her period. It has been soiled. It's unclean. That's how our, our works are. The things that we think that we're doing that are good, apart from Christ, they're Nothing. We're sinners, we're broken. But, what then is this work? So the one hand, the work of man leads to death. But here's John 6, verse 29. Jesus answered them. So he's being asked a question in the previous verse. What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Faith. Faith. What is the work that saves? Well, it's the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and so it's our trust in that work. We receive his gifts by faith. He's earned it. He gives it. We just receive it. God will judge us according to his work, and this becomes then the theme of the book of Romans, that the righteousness of man, well, Abraham believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. So thanks be to God, for he alone is our Savior, and he has saved us from sin, death, and the devil. My soul waits in silence.